Live from Guttercat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? So good to see so many people here. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur that has been extremely active in the Web3 community and exploring new use cases for blockchain technology. He's a frequent speaker at conferences around the world and is the co-founder of Social Fresh, a community for social media professionals. It's my honor to share the stage tonight with the one and only Jason Keith. What's going on, man? Carl, thank you so much. Really excited for this conversation. Big fan of the show and uh, it's just it's really great to watch you build a, a media brand inside of Web3. So hey, thank thanks a lot, man. It's fun to be able to do these shows live with live audience. It's always been uh, a cool feel and just like the, the, the audio apps that have come around really allow for whole new kind of experiences. Um, but that just goes along with Web3 and everything else that's being built right now. So I'd love for you to uh, just start by sharing with us a little bit about your journey into crypto and NFTs, whichever came first. Tell us a little bit how you got here. Yeah, I mean, I guess on the light side, it would be crypto. So my, my company, my legacy Web2 gig is Social Fresh. We are the original social media conference and consultancy started in 2008. Um, So, you know, I ran my first Facebook ad in 2005. I've been doing this social thing for a long time. And we help social media managers, community managers kind of know what's next, what's happening, what's working in that space. People that work for brands, work for themselves, work for agency startups. And I, you know, I I first uh, bought some Bitcoin and Ethereum back, you know, four or five years ago, sold it, never got really deep into it, as so many of us have sold at the wrong time. And then I'd say maybe like two years ago, just started noticing NFTs creeping back up, noticing Ethereum getting much more into a software shell. And, you know, part of our job is to know what's coming next and to be there as an expert. So we started getting questions, started seeing, uh, you know, just what was on the horizon and wanted to dive deeper. So we've done several projects over the last two years to try to become experts in the space. So in the space what does that mean i i'm an artist so i've done nft art uh, uh, for different uh collections and brands and doing my own nft art we have done community web3 community strategy for brands um and we focus on kind of the the merging of social and web3 and creative so i mean i, I don't think there's a web3 without the social layer you know we're sitting here on twitter uh, we all spend time in discord Uh, NFTs themselves, NFT collections are also a social layer. They create instant communities that are, that have a, a, an ownership layer built in. Uh, so I'd say it started light in crypto, uh, and DeFi. And then I got really serious when I started seeing the community layers, uh, hop up on, uh, around NFT collections, uh, maybe like 18 months ago. And it had been, uh, highly interested, highly involved ever since. 
I love that. So, so NFTs and kind of uh, more specifically because your background is in is in social media, you watch trends similar to I, I guess you know the muted. And I was talking, I was really going, and I, I had some really good stuff to say too. So uh, everyone was I missing we, out. I think we all on, felt it. You felt it. I was really going after it. I was just uh, I was really passionate. I was really excited, and you guys missed it. But uh, here we go again. Let's try try it again. What I was saying was. Uh, I really, I just love uh, hearing your story because it. I love how uh, so many people kind of get integrated into Web three um, in whatever already fascinates them. And so, obviously, with your fascination about um, you know the social media profession uh, and kind of helping be be into community building, uh, you saw an opportunity similar to I feel like what Gary V and and some others that have kind of gotten in the space now. Um, what has what was the learning curve like though because obviously you see this trend but especially in the ways of monetization and how you're able to give back to community getting rid of a lot of the legacy uh monetization strategies is is just a whole kind of almost a 180 from what uh people have been doing so what are some of the biggest takeaways that you that you kind of uh came away with when you first became interested in in this new model yeah so i mean you know, I would say in my, so I'm also part of JumpDAO, which is uh, probably the largest marketing and advertising DAO out there. And its purpose is just to onboard marketing professionals into Web3. So we have a concept called Jump Day, which is the day that you become employed in Web3. The day that you are fully kind of integrated and working in Web3 is your Jump Day, kind of like Reddit's Cake Day, right? Um, and... I would say I haven't had fully my jump day yet because I still have this legacy Web2 company where I'm getting paid to do consulting, brand consulting, or helping Web3 brands with messaging. Um, I'm still getting paid to run conferences, whether that's social media conferences. We have our next social media conference in June in Charlotte, North Carolina, or whether it's Web3 conferences. We did NFT Fresh last year, which was a, a big hit. So I, that's still a big part of my day-to-day -day revenue coming in. I think the learning curve, I think it's a great way to phrase the question is I think if you're, if you're deciding you want to work fully in web three, which that is my goal. I want to make that full transition. Uh, you really need to start thinking uh, bigger. You need to start thinking, what can you build that helps other people? What can you build that, that shares the upside with other people and bringing other people with you and, and them leading the way and maybe just kicking off the vision. Um, that I think is the, is the way that individuals need to think if they're if they're transitioning to Web3. And I also think that's the way brands need to think, whether they are a new Web3 brand or an OG legacy brand, Fortune 500 company coming to space, what can you do that helps other people, uh, you know, have a valuable experience, have worthwhile uh, ventures, have upside, have revenue coming in? Uh, what can you do to do that first? And that's my perspective on all the Web3 projects that I'm involved in. I love that. You know, one thing that that I really appreciated that you talked about is just about how important it is to add value to the community. How are you giving back or how are you, you almost think it, like you said, you have to think bigger than yourself because those are the projects that really end up doing so well is they're able to really build an important community that becomes so passionate that their turnaround has made money um, prior where it was like, get a consumer base, then figure out how to monetize them. Now you're like, get a consumer base and figure out how you can 
give them value and give give back to them while also being able to benefit yourself. And so I imagine when you sit down with some of these companies, it's very it's got to be hard because uh, because you see a lot of big companies and big names with whether it's athletes or celebrities coming in and just totally flopping now because the market's gotten fairly smarter. Or, you know, they still kind of pull in uh, newcomers, but those that have been in the Web three community over the last eight months to a year have been able to kind of see uh, and also realize what Web three is all about. So what? What has it been like trying to, you know, talk to uh, companies that you've advised and just sit down and, and try to figure out how to how to, you know, approach Web3? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like remember I, most people probably have taken swimming lessons in their life before. But remember, like the first time you ever had a swimming lesson, unless you like learned as a you know baby and you don't remember. But like first swimming lesson in your memory where like you understood the concepts, but you still feel like you were a little drowning, right? Like getting your feet wet in web three requires baby steps. I think you really have to take it slow. Just understanding the concepts, like explaining to brands, explaining to anybody coming to space. If you want to understand NFTs, if you want to understand DeFi, web three communities, ownership layers, discord communities, uh, it, I think the co- these concepts individually take a month, two or three months to really just have your brain be comfortable with with understanding why they're valuable, how they work. And that's a piece of it, like getting them to experiment, jump into discords, uh, really understand the space or, or trust you implicitly that you do. And it, it's worth, worth time. Um, I, my, my big goal is to take a legacy brand and fully integrate them as much as humanly possible into web three. And I have, you know, a couple candidates for that. I'm hoping that that's going to happen sometime later this year to really kick something like that off. I don't know if it'll be as an employee, as a, you know, as a, as a consultant. I don't want to know what that would look like, but I, I really am looking forward to that day. We don't have that yet. You know, we have media brands, maybe like Playboy and Time, uh, that are kind of inching that way. Uh, a company like Nike or Adidas. I don't know if they could ever really make that journey because they're just so focused on on traditional retail and physical goods um but that is very exciting to me and you know the biggest challenge is just i, I think right now any brand coming into the space they are doing test projects they're doing small nft collections or large nft collections they're figuring it out they're launching discords they're doing something simple in the metaverse uh which is a big pet peeve of mine uh but i think that's okay like if these initial projects and these initial um you know foot in the door steps are small or imperfect i think that's fine as long as they're doing it they're pushing new people into the space uh they're trying to learn and that's you know that's 80 percent of the work that we're doing uh, and i you know it's it's something that we want to continue to push people on um and that's most of the conversations that we have is this is the vision that we have uh how, what can we convince you to do for that some of the more exciting stuff that i get to work on is web3 brands that are you know really well funded understand the space understand kind of the moves that you would need to make to be successful in web3 but a lot of web3 brands are, have just moved so fast or have had so much money that they don't have really traditional marketing in place yeah. so they need like traditional messaging positioning branding and that kind of thing so those are those are kind of more fun projects to work on i would say in general it is interesting because you're seeing so many companies figuring out how you can use 
uh, blockchain technology to kind of get a constant revenue stream. Uh, and for a long time, blockchain and even some of these NFT projects in the very beginning, Bored Apes are a good example, talked a lot about decentralization. Uh, but we're starting to realize, you know, there is a difference um, between something like Bitcoin, which is a truly decentralized currency. And, and then when you have uh, a lot of these companies that are building on the blockchain, it's for uh, th these assets are you're actually expecting a return out of them. And so that means there's building going on and there's actually brands being built, which I think is one of the greatest phenomena of this last uh, year and a half or so is that you're actually seeing new use case. You can not only uh, create like this decentralized uh, world because the currency is decentralized, but now you're finding that you can build all of these layers on top of it uh, that that you know are actually use cases, and I wouldn't say you know the Board Ape Yacht Club uh, especially can't really make the argument that they're just trying to create like a decentralized community. Uh, really, they're they're building an in, like a a media empire, which is awesome because it continues to go back uh, and benefit their early crowd uh, source funders. But in a lot of ways, this is just like startups have a whole new way to raise money. And I'm curious if you've kind of uh, seen people that are newer to the space notice that and are just like really eager to figure out how to uh, fundraise so that they can start building something. Yeah, I mean, I view NFTs and most token launches as fundraising vehicles. They're, they're capital uh, ventures. And I think that's great. I mean, it, it's taking the the crowdsourcing effect of, of being able to crowdfund online with like the old school Indiegogo, which is still a viable model. And it's giving real ownership to that effort, which I think just amplifies people's involvement, amplifies uh, the... Uh, kind of community effect of, of projects. The, I mean, the thing that I'm interested in, you take something that's truly decentralized as a business like Uniswap. Uniswap is, uh, for all intents and purposes, I, I don't know, maybe 90% on the blockchain. They have some, you know, if all their servers go down, they still have backups where they would still exist. Um, and I want to see that with like real modern businesses like software companies where they have affiliate programs and support customer support networks that are all powered by blockchain uh, interactions. And we're, we're not there today where the technology would be able to make those things happen, but we're getting pretty close. I mean, we can see the steps that are needed to make that stuff happen. And I'm really excited by that. Um, we just launched a project I, from a tweet that I sent a month ago about reviving old NFT collections called Remets. And we're selling 99 NFTs for 0.25 ETH each. We've sold, I think, almost 20 as of today, taking it very slow and steady. Um, and the whole goal is to buy, uh, in, buy old NFT collections you know, collectively and individually, support them, promote them, um, you know, get the brand out there find NFT collections that just didn't have the spotlight on them that they deserved. Maybe the art was really good. Maybe the team was really great, but they just got caught up in the day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, just constant uh, barrage of NFT collections launching. You can never keep up with all of them. There's so many good collections, so much great art that just doesn't break through the noise. Um, so we're searching for, you know, some, some old NFT brands. When I say old NFT brand, that could be three months old. That could be, you know, three years old, but, we're looking for projects to support and kind of as, a, as an experiment, like a collective fundraise, some funds, you know, small amount of funds. We're talking about a small experiment here that we could grow if it works 
um, to revive NFT collections that uh, kind of missed out, so to speak, uh, but were, were deserving. Uh, and I think brands could come in and do stuff like that. They could invigorate uh, NFT collections. They could find tokens that need a little love. They could find um, Discord communities that they could uh, put a lot of uh, resources behind. Um, so I think the opportunities are very, uh, very broad. And, and uh, there's a lot out there that they could jump into. Yeah, I, I have noticed um, different individuals. I mean, you start seeing some of these like almost like buyouts. I mean, it, you saw it on a, a large scale, a major scale with like MeBits and CryptoPunks. But I've seen it with individual investors trying to just kind of t- instead of doing all the work to build the marketing and, and get a token launch, they just want to buy out a project. So then they have something to build with. It is fascinating, but it is an interesting model idea of just uh, taking something that kind of has a shaky start and trying to overturn it. Uh, it, was, it is, I imagine, very difficult because there's so many uh, important layers of any sort of successful project. And when anyone wants to l- launch a uh, profile picture project or any sort of NFT project, almost always they're thinking they want to eventually be a blue chip or they want to you know, bring in significant revenue. I think that's one of the uh, things that is difficult about the space is that so many people have such high expectations that they are not able to just focus on small wins. Uh, what is it for you that you see as like one of the things that is the most important element of uh, of kind of a project in order for it to to be successful or to have staying power in this space? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back to kind of like first principles of NFTs and why they work, especially like we're all uh, sporting PFP projects, right? These days, that's that's what created JPEG Summer this past year, and it's it's about identity. I think you know, besides the financial upside, the identity layer of finding art that you love, that you're willing to literally change the photo that you have on social networks to that art, like that's a big identity representation decision uh, statement that you're making to the world. It's it's you know. It's like deciding to dress in all Adidas gear, jumpsuit, like out. Like that's a big decision to go outside and, and dressed in all in one brand, right? <laughs> so, what also does that? Like fashion does that, uh, events do that. I what I see is I see a lot of projects trying to replicate kind of the blue chips, and they're sticking to kind of these uh, these blueprints of let's do a secondary collection airdrop, you know, whether it's a, a pet of some sort or um, some type of similar, you know, 10K, secondary 10K launch to, to spread the number of NFTs we have. Let's do a game. Let's do a metaverse play. And all these things are good, but like everyone's doing those things and they're all online and none of those things really expand the identity layer, the loyalty layer of a collection. You look at like uh, Adam Bomb Squad, uh, who has merch drops on a regular basis. It's basically a fashion brand. Um, you look at uh, what a lot of, you know, some of the most successful NFTs right now are membership NFTs, kind of social club uh, NFTs where you're joining an organization and there's there's some type of IRL element, whether it's meetups or dedicated spaces of some sort. Those real in-person experiences uh, expand community in a much more tangible way. Uh, so I'm, I'm big on events. I'm big on merch. I'm big on anything that is literally you know an experience of some sort it can still be online but it needs to be different um like i I spoke about my pet peeve about the metaverse there's so many things in the metaverse these days that are just 
you know, show up and walk around in this space we built, which is very boring to me. Or, or here is a shirt or a hat or a skin of some sort that you can wear in the space. And I think that makes sense for fashion brands, but I don't think it makes sense for most brands. Like, I want somebody to send me on a quest or make, help me, you know, have me solve a riddle or have me, you know, fight a monster of some sort, metaphorical or otherwise. Like, I want experiences. And I think brands that are building experiences, whether they are or other one, their South by Southwest experience, I think was really great. Um, I think Te- Tezos does a lot of really great in-person experiences. Um, FWB is doing some great stuff. So I think there's there's some examples there on the Dow side and on the NFT side. And, and those are the brands that are really going to have staying power where people are meeting people in person. They're buying uh, real physical goods. They're having unique experiences. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, I think you're right, w- especially when it comes to uh, community building. Clear as the space, uh, it's like the Cool Cats and the Gutter Cat Gang, and the, and then there was a few others that would popped up, but just didn't have any staying power. But I mean, you could literally manage in, in an Excel spreadsheet fairly easily every single project, and now that's impossible because you just we have thousands and thousands of rows. One thing that I think is really important to realize uh, for anyone that's kind of joining the Web3 space is that just like the world and just like civilization as we've known it, you have all of these different communities and these pockets uh, of the world, and it's impossible to know what's happening at every single minute of all these different communities. And it's really important to kind of find a place where you uh, can kind of resonate and build uh, and grow and learn. And I think that's the one thing that there's a lot of projects that struggle to uh, realize is that even if you have amazing art and even if you have an amazing community, if you're not giving those that community a uh, place to continue to grow and continue to learn, then you see time and time again, Again, it continues to go to what's the floor price? Where, why is it going down? What are the devs doing? And it's like this is this, these are all signs that a community is really not strong. They're all binded by making money, which is great. But the long term impact is like you said, you've got to create these events and these experiences and have communication and project builders that are wanting to build off of the main the main brand. And I think that's what really gives uh, the communities that have staying power. Uh, the 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 power is that the the community is really what drives the value of of a lot of these communities, and I think the same thing goes to Web two when you look at brands. It like you said, if you know you have people that are obsessed with Nike or Adidas and those fashion brands, uh, they they it's just marketing when but their people are paying for to wear it, and I think you see the same thing with like the Board Ape Yacht Club and the merch is like hundreds of dollars, uh, and people are reselling it. it just goes to show that this like brand identity is is very important to like human nature which is which is interesting but you should feel even more connected when it comes to web3 it's not just about uh connecting to a commercial or like this this brand but you can actually connect way deeper into into everyday experiences and and finding other people that are passionate about it yeah i mean i you know, there's a lot of great collections out there that just aren't incre- aren't creating great experiences. I so I, I my PFP right now is a Winter Bear. I think they had great art. I think they've really poorly managed their uh, community since then. They've got kind of an uprising right now happening. Maybe become community owned, uh, but they've also done a lot of technical things really well. Like they have like, four collections 
um, underneath their banner now. They they're working on some metaverse stuff. They've got some interesting staking things happening with the token. Like all the technical things are 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 progressing. I mean, they're only the collections only months old. You know, four or five months old or whatever. Um, but I don't think they've had any events. I don't think they've done any great merch. Their merch is really just terrible. Um, and I, you know, the branding is is kind of mediocre. You have this great art, and then you don't take it past the PFP. Um, you really just need to invest, even if you don't have it internally. Like if you're working on an NFT collection, if you are an owner of an NFT collection, you really want to see it do well. Like in, invest in bringing someone in that knows branding or knows art or knows uh, fashion merchandising whatever whatever the skill set is uh have them you know give them a free pfps get them involved in the community get some ideas rolling uh like rolling your existing community in the metaverse into another collection like those things are interesting and if you really have a brand behind it already like like byc or cool cats or something like that it can it can you know one up the collection one up the brand but if your brand is already just kind of stagnant it doesn't do much you need to expand the brand expand the appeal of the identity of being belonging to that community identity comes down to experience and expression expression could be art it can be visuals it could be fashion music um but yeah i mean i think you touched on some great things but i i feel for a lot of collections because a lot of people get involved in these projects and you know it, they make some money uh they have technical skills as a dev or as an artist um and then they don't have you know marketing project management um, execution skills past that and that's perfectly normal there's no like human flaw in that uh, but at, at some point you either you either have to go all in and bring in uh, some people that do know how to take it to the next level or you just need to be honest with the community that you've kind of done what you can uh, which i think would be a great conversation that a lot of collections need to have with their communities but uh, yeah, and of course, there's always there's always just loving the art. Like, not every community has a 10x. Not every community has to become a blue chip. If you love the art, you know, there's a there's a Solana collection I I'm in that's like, I think 300 people. It's like based on uh, a sushi meme. It's really great. It's never going to be a blue chip. I'm totally fine with that. I just love the niche community and like the sushi memes that they come up with and just the the fun of it all. And that's totally fine too. I'm a marketing brand uh, entrepreneur person. So like that's the angle I think of. Those are things I'm excited about working on. There's both sides of that coin. They can both uh, uh, kind of go their own path. I, I'm glad you said that because I love the fact that you talked about kind of like expectations. Like, uh, like you know, you're aware like what, what you're buying into. And I think that's something that so many people, when they get into the space, they either don't take enough time learning about communities or, you know, it's hard uh, for communities to kind of grab attention space of new people because usually people are onboarded either into a community or from someone that's in a community. And so you kind of have these like embedded layers that are already happening. So it's hard for uh, new kind of PFP communities to also take grab hold onto that attention space. Um, I'm sure um, because you're you're a social media professional, you've been talking to people. You're probably you track data. Have you noticed what do you what have you noticed about engagement? Especially, it's almost become like this online metaverse of like most active users. Ha, ha, is that something that you've noticed widely? Because I know that you've been on Twitter for a long time and and have seen what it's been like prior to like 2020. What are some of the biggest things that you think have changed in terms of especially on 
Twitter uh, and Discord about you know how people are using it and and kind of the evolution of the app. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good and bad. I mean, in one sense, the um, the scale of messaging and hype that NFT collections are able to generate is just mind blowing. The you know being able to get tens of thousands of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers for a new collection in months, weeks, days, it's kind of unprecedented. Like if I went to a Fortune 500 company and promised those numbers, like that's just not achievable typically uh, without some type of huge cash giveaway or something like Cash App does. Um, and even then, like it's just, it's, it's, it's a whole new paradigm of, again, it's like the ownership layer pours gasoline on every single social and community uh, foundational tool. Um, at the same time, that that drive to make money off projects, that drive to uh, break through the noise and show up against all the competition that's out there, creates this really spammy marketing strategy that unfortunately works, uh, but is super annoying and not very, <laughs> not very um, uh, human. Uh, you know, retweet and like and tag three people and follow us and and post in the discord and by the way, make some original art for us to enter for the whitelist. Like these are, these are increasingly the standard playbook so much so that you look at Hyundai as making kind of their, uh, their metaverse launch and, and, and doing a project with Metacongs and, and launch their discord, which I think is last I looked a few days ago, like 60,000 people already 50,000 on Twitter. And they're doing the same, you know, they obviously have some good Web3 NFT experience people involved and they're doing kind of the same playbook as it's the first time I've seen like a big brand really go into like that NFT degen marketing playbook. Um, and it's because it works and it's, it's, it's somewhat annoying, but you also can't ignore what works. Um, I'll say, I'll say in general, I think it's all about hype. So you have to really think as a brand, whether you're a brand coming into an existing legacy brand coming into the space or you're a brand new project, NFT, token, whatever, DAO, um, you have to play that hype game and you have to get people FOMO to stand out. Either that or you just have to have a brilliant uh, vision for that people really latch onto. Like, hey, we're going to buy the Constitution. Hey, we're going we're gonna to buy the old... Uh, papers that MLK had that have never been seen before, or we're going to buy uh, an NBA team, or we're going to do this new metaverse that's the first, uh, you know, community-owned metaverse that's going to compete with Facebook and, and Bored Apes. Like, whatever it is, it, it has to be like a big vision that people really align with, or you need to play that hype game and you need to play it well, unfortunately. Um, either that, or you just have to go slow. And you have to build real community, which takes time. It takes, you know, months and years to build a real significant community. Start with, you know, 10 true fans, get to 100 true fans and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, the, the element of true fans, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that, actually, because uh, I'm a big fan of 10KTF and there's a lot of uh, rumors that it stands for 10k true fans which everything they do would make make me believe that but uh if you if you just talk about a little bit about the nature of, of what a tr what true fans means for like a company and kind of monetization yeah i mean the the concept um is you know has been around for for a little while now five or ten years of of having a thousand true fans or ten thousand true fans i know um uh, 
I know, uh, you know, we've had different thought leaders speak to these concepts and I think they're very uh, sound. Uh, one of the things that we speak about in the DAO world is start with 10 daily active leaders or, or members, meaning start with 10 people that are going to be in Discord every day and, and, you know, give a shit about the vision that you have for the community you're trying to start. Uh, because if you have that, you can build off of that. Um, I think for most projects, if you can get 100 true fans, and a true fan is someone that really cares about the vision and has time to spend to support it. Those are really the only two ingredients you need. They may not even be able to afford the project once it launches. If it's an NFT project, they may not be able to afford to mint. Maybe you give something free to them. Um, they may not have the technical chops to like build pieces of the project you're working in. But if they give a shit about the vision that you have expressed for a project and they have time to put into it, that's all you need to get started. That's what it takes to build something, to spread the word. Um, and I think it starts with 10, it goes to 100, it goes to 1,000, it goes to 10,000. Yeah. Um, and you know, once you have one, you have enough momentum to get to the next one. Mm. Yeah, line. I and love that's, that. That's key. Yeah, because if you don't that... have it, if you don't have, if you don't have ten people, if you don't have a hundred people, just keep talking to people about your vision. Get on Twitter Spaces. Get on Twitter. Get on a blog. Get on an email list. Get on Reddit. Wherever it is that you spend time, that you can find people that have a similar interest to yours, and just keep talking about your vision until it's refined enough and it gets to enough people to get you there. Do you think that it? Um... It hurts the the when you crowdsource and kind of try to raise funds and kind of put this element of money and investing into a project. Does it make it a little more difficult to get to those true fans, uh, especially be when if you're not able to kind of sustain that price action long enough for people to stick around and get to learn about that vision? I feel like that's one of the the biggest factors of communities kind of diving and never being able to get back is. Uh, because they're never able to really survive the first dip. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. If you don't have a clear vision that people are aligned with where they'll actually spend time without making money from it, um, then when that money goes away, their commitment goes away pretty quick. Um, in NFTs, it's a little different because I think the art and kind of the love of collections and the lore around collections can, can carry you on a little bit. You know, there's collections that died nine, 10 months ago that still have active discord communities where people are kind of still true believers and hoping something happens, but they're not really doing much, right? Um, you know, putting a PFP on your Twitter profile is doing something, but it's not really doing much to, to, to grow a concept. Um, yeah. But if you have, if you have that vision, people will stick around. And I think, you know, there's plenty of NFT artists that have a vision, even if it's just, you know, my art exists because of, xyz um and that's a vision in and of itself pussy Riot is a great example of that um you know she has a great story uh, a great um you know number of collections now that really dial into that story people do make money from her collection but they would be there without it yeah it makes a lot of sense and i think we've we've kind of seen that play out if you you've got to find uh that communities are really the when they struggle it's because they're everyone is looking to the developers or they're looking like, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing this? And instead it's like, 
if there's a real community, they're not as focused on that because they're they're learning about others, they're community building within, uh, they're trying to figure out how they can add value, all of those types of things. And I think those are the communities that do the best is because they're they let the teams build in peace and, and, and aren't constantly up their ass or trying to figure out what's coming next. Uh, it is it is fascinating and it is interesting because uh, just the, the entire Web3 model uh, completely, it's, it's really, especially in the startup phases, is about like, uh, this crowdsourcing and funding and then in in the intermediate phase it's like what are you doing to give value back and it's almost like this this tension between the two sides that really gets in the way of true organic community growth uh and so what what i'm curious is is what is the middle ground is it just more uh organic communities forming and just the test of time i feel like that's one thing that i've noticed is you see some of these projects that seem super stealth and then out of nowhere they're towards the top because they've been just slowly compounding their growth all along uh do you see something like that or or do you uh what's the secret ingredient uh to kind of get to that success yeah, I mean, I think for any NFT collection to become a blue chip these days, it has to it has to trend towards the function of a DAO, um, meaning it has to trend toward collaboration and cooperation, where it's not just a founding team squirreled away wherever they are in the world building shit and then releasing it. It's a whole collective building stuff together, and. You know, there's exceptions to that. You know, once once you have a ton of capital, once you have like board eight money, once you have um, Azuki money, like you can, you know, the, the team squirreled away is all of a sudden 50, 100 people. And obviously, and obviously you're a, a mid-sized company and you can do bigger things. But most collections never get anywhere close to that. You know, four people working on something can accomplish some things, but they can't build a, a, a 10,000 person brand. That takes 10,000 people. So like you, you need to think about how do we collectively do things unless you have the resources to where you have a ton of people that can do a lot of work and you can pay them or you have an existing uh, you know set of capital or, or resources uh, you need to pretend you're a DAO and act like even if you don't have a token yet even if you don't want to build a token whatever you need to do to create a system where people can help contribute and build the brand together I think that's the missing piece for a lot of collections I see that maybe spiked even maybe, you know, they four X after, after mint um, for a month or, or more. And then they're back down. It's because they, they never really involved people uh, in those steps. And that's tough. It's not an easy thing to do, but uh, I think that's the only way to really uh, make that transition. Is it partly an issue with the people, do you think, um, like kind of founders or the people that are starting this? Because if you kind of have a VC mindset or or you're just trying to grow something big for the money, uh, it seems like there's it almost needs to be more mission-driven to build true organic community. It's got to be about something bigger than yourself in a lot of instances. Do you think that that's a, an element that's missing of of like Web3 communities? Yeah, I mean, it, and it's this, you know, it, the financial layer is is a double-edged sword. It's it's great for intrinsic motivation, but that intrinsic motivation is there because people want to make fucking money, right? So it's, you know, you can't get rid of that if that's the only thing that you're building on. So that hype, FOMO activity of we're going to make a collection that's going to make you money 
um, of focusing on floor prices and all that, that creates uh, a cliff that you're going to fall off of eventually most, you know, 90, 95% of collections. Um, and that's, that's also true for tokens. That's also true for uh, DAOs. There's a lot of other uh, Web3 um, structures that work the same way. I think NFTs are the most extreme. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're not mission driven, I think that was the, the right way to frame it. Uh, then you are creating a cliff for yourself. Yeah. You know, I've really appreciated talking to you. We're going to move into community corner here in a second. So if you're in the audience and have a question, uh, don't hesitate to hit that request button. We're going to bring a few people up, but I really have enjoyed this conversation because, uh, I've got a lot of similar mindsets about kind of where things are headed and like what it takes for collections to be successful in web three. Um, in a lot of kind of the thesis around the experiment around the crazy Carl collective is, is very aligned to a, a lot of the like kind of the the vision or like the the vision and elements of success that that you feel like project needs um which is which is really important and i think something that uh, too many people uh don't spend enough time thinking about or so many people want to create a collection in this space or something that they own that they forget it's really not about something you own it's much more about what a group of people own together when it comes to Web3. And I think that's one of the biggest things is when you see these models where it feels very much like a corporation or a pyramid. Uh, and it's it's one of the greatest things about trying to build something different in this space is because we're so early trying to figure out what layers are needed to where you can get those true fans and reward those fans and all grow together. It's a uh, it, it, it's such a fascinating uh, like uh, experiment that we're kind of engaging in and trying to figure out how to get companies to be able to do the same thing uh, has got to be so challenging but also rewarding. Before we move to questions, and once again, hit that request button. I'm not seeing anyone yet, but I'll look again here in a second. But before we head to the question, I'd love for you just to take a moment and share uh, anything that you've got going on, what you're building lately, or uh, you know, projects that you've been uh, looking at to try to help build. And uh, just a second to chat about anything you'd, you'd like to uh, for the audience to get to know you better. Yeah, that's a dangerous question. I have way too many projects going on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let, so, I mean, get a beer. It's going to be like 30 minutes, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, two days later. Now, uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Social Fresh is, is my main gig. We're doing our social media conference with, you know, big brands come to speak uh, Lyft, Audi, uh, Shopify, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Like, Who's who? So if you work in like community or social, it's a big, uh, big conference. Um, I we can I'll I'll do uh I tell you what I'll do uh I'll do a promo code for that of twenty percent off. I'll I'll just message my team right now, so we'll have something in the next like five or ten minutes. Um, and then a piece of that, I even the reason I mentioned that is because one thing that we've always wanted to do in in social fresh is we've wanted to do more work to support social media and community manager professionals and everybody that works in. Web3 or spends time in Web3 knows that like the mods and the Discord community managers and the people doing the Twitter spaces and the and the tweets and everything else um, work pretty hard for not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, upside typically. Amen. More so. Say it again. <laughs> yeah, that's even more so in Web2. I mean, it's it's a very you know it's the most public facing role in a lot of companies. It's very stressful. Uh, there's a study out that says it's it's second only to firefighters as stressful gigs. 
uh, because of the hours and the crisis that they deal with and the negative comments they deal with constantly. And, you know, it's not, we're not saving lives in social media, so it shouldn't be that way. So we are basically creating a, a social media union, Social Fresh DAO, tokenized Web3 community. Um, it's part social media union trying to do things like raise funds for uh, therapy and other career training tools for social media community pros. Um, and also just trying to bring that crew, that that uh, industry into Web3 as well, onboarding them uh, by building the DAO together. So that's something we're working on uh, pretty seriously, very, very early. Um, and then I, I'm doing a lot of NFT art. I'm really excited about Remit DAO. Um, we've got, I think, six or seven nominated collections so far inside of Remit DAO. Um, kicking off our first meeting for that probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's really exciting. And yeah, I mean, I, I love dialing up these like small projects that I know ultimately can grow to be really big things if we get the right people involved. And those are the two main ones I'm working on that are really Web3 native right now, Social Fresh DAO and Remit DAO. Um, and I'm excited about them. I mean, I, one thing that I love, and I'm just going to say this before we move to questions, but one thing that really gets me jazzed is hearing you talk a little bit about that. I think that Web3 and the most disheartening thing to me uh, lately, and I started to realize it as well when you, even when you look at, um, uh, when you look at a lot of these tokenized companies as well uh, that started in 2017-18, it, it's just such a, like the whole dynamic of pay and everything that, uh, and the structure of leadership, it's uh, it's it's really fucked, honestly, for where we should be at in Web3. Like this is uh, just kind of human error because a lot of uh, the people that are in charge are leading these blockchain organizations like they would a corporate organization. What when Web3 really allows us the opportunity to kind of unlearn and shift the way that we do things. And I think we get to that point, but it's gonna be it's it's almost it's almost uh, disheartening to see because it's like ah. Oh, man, it's going to take another five, ten, ten years because these all have to play out now, and we have to kind of like get to that point, like that failure point for them to, for like the true innovation to really flourish. Uh, but what you talked about when it comes to, like you said, the DAO to help out uh, level that playing field is so important and shows that there's still that innovation that can be done in Web three, even if we're having to deal with some of these issues these legacy issues still. Uh, and I just think that's really cool. So I, I'm going to have to learn a little more about that because I'm really interested in it. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe he got booted or maybe he didn't like what I was saying, uh, Money Plane Idol, but uh, he's not here anymore. I had a great question too. That's just really <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> Hold on, here he comes, here he comes. <clears throat> in the meantime, let's do this. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. And freshly back from a rug, Jason. Good to have you back on stage. Money Plane Idol's up here with us. What's going on, Money Plane? Hey, man. Sorry, I, I kind of joined the space late, so I really only heard like the last 10 or 15 minutes or so. So uh, I had a question for you, Jason, and I apologize because uh, Carl may have already asked it. And if that's the case... I think just uh, kick me immediately. But, <laughs> you know, I, I like what you're doing with, with Social Fresh and, and Remint Down. I like what you have to say about, you know, 
having 10 dedicated community members. And I'm just really fascinated in people who are approaching some of the old models in new ways. And I'm really fascinated in how uh, DAOs can be structured to tackle some of this stuff as well. And I'm just curious uh, what, what DAOs or, or which projects do, do you really draw inspiration from uh, to, to tackle some of the things that you're tackling? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm, I'm very involved in JumpDAO, which I mentioned briefly uh, earlier, um, which is a marketing and advertising DAO. Main vision there is just to onboard as many marketing and advertising professionals into Web3. Um, Tokenized community came out of Seed Club. If you're not familiar with Seed Club, it is basically a, an incubator of DAOs where they uh, incubate tokenized communities, teach them how to launch, take a very small percentage of their token when they launch, um, has launched some of the most you know famous uh, DAOs out there today, um, and is really aligned with you know the people that launched Seed Club or the people that launched FWB. It's just a very influential community. Um, Jump DAO is great. The, the the thing I like about it, and the thing that we've echoed in in uh, Social Fresh DAO, is that the token is not liquid at least yet. The community can decide to make it liquid eventually, and and basically that means is there's a there's a micro economy inside the DAO where you can um, you can take an Ethereum based token and tip it back and forth and do budgets and do um, giving circles and 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 bounties or quests, whatever you want to do to distribute tokens amongst the community as a value exchange. But um, you know, peop, there's no there's no liquid pool for that, um, so you you can't take it outside of the DAO and exchange it for uh, ETH or whatever and, and and get money out of it, get USD out of it. Um, and what that does is it kind of creates, you know, like we were saying before, it creates a community where money is not the number one thing. There might be a lot of kind of intrinsic, oh, this token may be worth something someday, so I'm going to make sure to stockpile some of it or work my work my ass off to get some of it. Some people do that for sure. Um, but you know, after a few months of doing that, you're really either in on the vision or you're, or you're not. Um, so I love that piece of it. Uh, uh, Jeff over at Jumped Out, founder of Jumped Out, is, is has been a good educator in that sense, and and we're um, learning a lot at Social First Out from that. Another thing that you know I mentioned, one of the things we're trying to do is create uh, mental health um, <clears throat> resources for social media and community professionals. Uh, at Social First Out, we're also doing a job board and some other things, but there's a lot of like mental health needs and execution in Web3 and NFT collections and donations. I see a lot of kind of lip service to that. And I think it's, you know, well intended and going the right direction. One collection that I've seen something do very recently that I was very impressed by was uh, Crypto Mori's. Crypto Mori's went out and found this company that does basically B2B mental health for brands where like, they sell to a big brand and that brand pays for their employees to have teletherapy access or other mental health tool access. Um, and they're doing that for all uh, crypto Mori holders, at least in like North America, I think so far, and they're trying to expand that. Um, and I was really impressed by that. It seems like it's going very well. It's very new over there, um, very aligned with what we want to do for Social Fresh DAO. So I'm watching that very carefully. I think that type of utility, you know, we spoke early in the discussion today, Carl, about um, having IRL utility, there's not much better than like helping someone's mental health over like three to six months by owning an NFT. I don't think you can beat that and a lot of experience. That person's going to be with you for the long haul. So like those types of, of integrations and executions are really impressive to me. And just, you know, having a big having a big fucking vision and, and believing you can change some some small corner of the world, I think is very important. Um, even if it's 
even if it's just, you know, believing an artist and helping artists and helping, you know, people that are in your community, just being very passionate about that and spelling out what that looks like. Um, those are a couple of things that come to mind. I think that's a really good question. Uh, I'll keep thinking about it and see if I have anything else that comes up. I love that. Thank you for that question too. That was, uh, I just, I think you're, you're spot on again. I mean, it's just so important to constantly, um, be thinking about how, what you do for the community as well. And, um, it's uh, it's funny because I, I I won't say the name of the collection, but there's like collections out there that kind of touted that, and then it like never even came to fruition. And so it's just like kind of frustrating when you're like when you promote something and you can't even give to the community what you promoted, especially when it comes to something like mental health. Uh, and and I think it's better, like you said, for communities just to provide that or to figure out ways to give that to their community. It doesn't. It's like so many things end up trying to be marketing tools for products in Web3. It's like, instead of doing that, just figure out how to provide that value or figure out the community member that can help provide that value. And, and then you're, and then you're golden. I mean, it's, it just, it seems almost too easy. And, and there's like all these, um, that people just make things way harder than they have to be in so many ways in, in the legacy world, but it, in these barriers that we should be able to jump over and web three is just this like too many people let the old ways kind of get in their way fry guy it's good to have you up on stage go ahead man yeah thanks for having me thanks for holding the space on on the subject of DAOs, i i think it's a sketchy um you know a lot of projects are trying to balance the line of giving back uh value to holders without becoming a registered security or you know, um, you know, basically becoming an unregistered security and being held to regulations. How do you see communities and DAOs dealing with that, giving real life, because everybody wants a return on their money somehow. How do you see, other than, you know, merch and stuff like that, how, how do you see them bringing that value back to consumers with DAOs? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough subject right now. There's not a clear answer there. We're all still waiting on SEC guidance on what, um, or a state to take the lead on what uh, DAO registration looks like. Um, it's still early days. People are making a lot of guesswork. Uh, I think for now, you know, there's, there's a lot of DAOs that are building kind of large communal investments. You look at the originals like Flamingo DAO, you look at the, the recent kind of top of the heap, like proof, um, you know, they're, they're either, they're going one of two directions. They're building like a large um, uh, collectively owned stockpile of, of assets. And they're trying to stay under a hundred members, which is, you know, what you can, what you can do to not be a security, or they're just completely uh, decentralizing the effort, the proof model um, and saying, Hey, there is no collective ownership of anything. You pay a collection to invest in. We bring you a, a whitelist to, um, to get on, we we launch you know a top NFT that you get a free version of. Uh, you get intel from it, you get community from it, you get merch from it, whatever it is. Like those are kind of the two safe paths. There's a lot of DAOs, there's a lot of uh, communities that are you know living in that gray area where there is collective ownership. They're not really SEC safe, but there's not enough guidance for them to know otherwise. And they're just they're just kind of waiting for guidance, and they'll fix it when they when they can. You know, it's a little riskier. I think that's fine right now. You know, I think if the SEC was really concerned about it, they would be 
um, going after someone today. Um, I think when you need to be concerned is when you're taking in a lot of revenue as a communal asset organization and you're paying out that revenue. If you start paying out that revenue um, and you have over 100 members and you have collectively owned assets, like uh, my very basic non-legal, not a lawyer, don't take my financial advice uh, perspective is that's where the gray area gets a little uh, harder to pull back from. Um, So yeah, I would say, you know, what we're building at Remint, it's 99 members um, intentionally. We're not buying a lot of assets collectively. We're focusing on the individuals buying to support projects. And, uh, you know, if we grow past that, and I would love to grow past that if it makes sense for us to, uh, we're probably going to go to something closer to the proof model where people pay and we hire people full time to do the research and to, to bring the value to the collective then, then, that then makes a voting decision of what we collectively decide to do together but there's no collectively owned assets um so yeah i mean there's you know there's multiple sides there it's very complicated i wish the federal government would get some type of guidance there but unfortunately it's not a big priority for them and i don't especially with the current administration who i think is pretty friendly to web3 i don't think they're going to push that pretty hard yeah another good question uh and insightful answer i think um I think you're you're hundred percent right about I think the proof collective model is like the you're gonna see this where people are trying to build things that um live in in a better gray area uh, that so that they can continue to move faster uh and I think a lot of you see a lot of projects kind of waiting or holding off or postponing uh DAOs because there's just so much gray area they don't want to get into trouble and so there's other models to continue to give that value back. Uh, which is essentially the purpose of a DAO in, in, in a different kind of model. And I think that's really important uh, and where kind of that innovation comes comes forward. Big Time Dreams is up here. It's going to be our final question. Uh, go ahead, man. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for the super insight on your whole project and your layout. I'm super interested in the mental health section of that. Um, I did reach out to you by message already because it's that exciting for me. I'd like to figure out how we can take this to the next step, I guess. Yeah. Can you um, expand on that a little bit? What's a a little bit more on what your question is? So, you know, the NFT side of that, how you were saying, you know, the, the holders for three to five months. So are you buying an NFT knowing that you're going to do a session a week and base the NFT cost off something like that? Or are you doing uh, your thoughts on yes, it? This is not um, my project. It's Crypto Mori's PFP project. Um, I think pretty well run kind of in a rebranding stage right now, but they've launched a um, project with a vendor. Um, and that vendor is, I thought I might have it in front of me. I do Impact Suite, which is like a B2B healthcare provider company that, that brands come in and pay a fee to and then that that brand provides mental health uh, solutions to the employees so i don't know the details of that we're actually trying to get in touch with uh, that company to see if they're fit for social fresh out which is my project which we haven't launched anything yet but we have plans for and i'll speak to that in a second um i don't know what cryptos mori's uh uh deal with them is i imagine it's one of two things it's either they took money out of their treasury out of their you know proceeds from the nft launch um, and they're paying for that for members. Maybe it's out of secondary sale royalties. I don't know what the fees are there, 
and there's a small enough uh, activation, people actually using that, that they can sustain that over time. I think they're doing a test. They're probably trying to figure out or impact suite went to them or they went to impact suite and they said, Hey, do you want to be a partner in this project and have, you know, a percentage of this project long-term or maybe one of the founders works for this company, who knows, there might be some partnership deal in the background where it's, it's a lower revenue risk for them. Uh, somehow they're paying for it. They're paying for that either out of funds or out of a partnership setup. Um, for social fresh Dow, we're, we're probably, we're taking one of two models for ours and we're exploring both right now. There's a cost for this. Like if, if you want to pay for monthly um, mental health, mon- monthly teletherapy for people, it's roughly going to be 200 to $300 a month for them to do one to four calls a month on a regular basis. And you want to probably make that as flexible as possible. So call it 300. Um, that cost for us, for Social Fresh Dow, we're going to do a small test of 20 people. That's our goal to start sometime in the next um, three to six months. We're either going to have it underwritten. We're going. We're going to go to a lot of stakeholders in the social media and community um, industry. You know, big software companies like Sprout Social and Sprinkler, or or literally big platforms like we're. You know, if we can get inroads to Twitter and Discord and Facebook and ask them if they'll support, it's pocket change for them. So that's the underwriting model. We're going to see if we can get somebody to pay for it. Second is the revenue model. We would literally do kind of a nonprofit fundraising of buy this NFT. This NFT, when you buy it, sponsors, literally sponsors, call it three people for three months of, of, of uh, teletherapy. Um, so that's, you know, that's the very bare bones of the idea there. I think that's much more involved. I think that would take like a big launch and strategy around it for us. But I think we could do it. I think a lot of people uh, care enough about that vision. Um, there's, you know, there's enough social media and community professionals that are doing okay that they would drop 300 600 900 on an nft to help pay it forward to other people um so that's our model right now we don't have a long-term sustainable strategy for that i'm not sure if crypto Morris has a long-term sustainable sustainable strategy but i think it's you either build a revenue stream that supports it um or you build an underwriting strategy that supports it that's kind of what i see uh as the as the clear pass but i would love to more people have more people innovate on that side because i think there's a a lot of need there and a lot of opportunity to kind of build a again a shared vision 100 percent count me in thanks appreciate it i love that i and i love the kind of the concept of the idea around it i mean a lot of times it is you're right these uh the projects have so much funding uh and sometimes a lot of royalties that if they have uh, the right resources, they, the, it could be a funding model that, you know, they're able to provide that service. I actually love that. And I'm going to think a lot about that because we're trying to figure out how to launch this in the Crazy Carl Collective as well to offer it as a service. So I appreciate you talking through that because it's is an awesome opportunity to kind of brainstorm. But I, I want to just give you a huge shout out, a huge shout of gratitude to Jason for coming on the show to chat about his journey so far in the Web3 space. The Crazy About Crypto show does not accept paid advertisements or paid requests to come on the show. The quality of guests and educational content provided is essential. I also want to shout out the Crazy Carl Collective. Crazy Carl is not my real name. I'm just one voice in the Crazy Carl Collective. We're an entity in the Web3 space working to build and grow together. Many guests of the show are Crazy Carl as well as many people in the audience. If you're not in 
the collective, I encourage you to follow and watch us and then join us. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show and continuing to learn about the innovation that Web3 unlocks for us all. This has been another production of Guttercat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.